Welcome to CR Studies. Join us each week as we take a deep dive into the Word of God, start a conversation, and discuss how it applies to our lives today. Well, hey, everybody out there in the Crossroads podcast listening to Universe. Um, We are super excited that you're joining us once again for our next edition of the Romans podcast, the CR Studies is what we're calling it, and uh, we're calling this little section Win in Rome. Uh, You know, it makes sense. Um, We are joined by a couple more guests this week, um, different crew from last time, Uh, and the guests this week are the Davises, uh, John and Devin Davis, and so, hey guys, glad you could be here. Hey. Yeah, hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're super excited um, for this. Uh, if you haven't been coming to the Romans uh, study, uh, John and Devin actually taught um, this past Wednesday and did a great job uh, kind of covering the tail end of Romans 1. Um, and if you hear in the background, you actually hear the Davis boys. We're, we're hanging out in here in room A and so having a good time. Um, yeah, so like, what's been going on with you guys? I know you all just got a car. Yeah, trying to keep up with... Just all the things going on between trying to be prepared for this week by week, yeah. trying to handle weird things, weird curveballs that come our way. So thankfully, God provided, and we're back to two vehicles. So <laughs> well, good. Um, if you guys don't know, uh, you'd be looking out for the, the Davises rolling up in the uh, the matte purple minivan. <laughs> it is it is a pretty baller ride. It's very classy. It's you know nothing but the best, and I, I respect I know, right? that. Yeah, so you gotta stand out, you know. Well, you know, you do, but also like it's matte, so it's kind of got some subtlety to it. I'm, it's a sweet ride. Congratulations. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess we can go get, go ahead and kind of get jumped into this um, we, where we left off. Uh, if you weren't here in the study, uh, John made the joke that um, I t- had the easy section in <laughs> Romans one, and I totally did because it ended with just this like on this upbeat of you know. Uh, I'm ashamed of the gospel. It is for the righteousness of God to be revealed from faith to faith. That is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And you're just like, yes, this is great. It's the intro. It's fun. And then, well, John mentioned that we go into some sadness. It takes well, a pretty hard left turn. It does. It really does. And so, and, uh, uh, but leadership has its perks, JD. So <laughs> getting getting to like assign the sections yeah. out. So when you write the no, schedule, guys, no judgment. <laughs> yeah, listen, I know my Bible. I know what what weeks to teach and which ones to hand off and then activate other people. I, fa- I found it super fun, though. I know it's a hard topic when you're looking at Romans because Paul's covering a lot of things in Romans, and it gets really deep and really heavy. But I, I find that really interesting and exciting because mm-hmm. I feel like there's things that, as Christians, we don't often dive into You know, talking about the sin of the Gentile world and God's wrath aren't super fun, lighthearted topics to joke about or bring up. But and like you mentioned in, in the introduction, Paul's doing this amazing, like, I'm the messenger of God. He's, you know, he's given me a divine mission to go and share the good news of the gospel with the entire Gentile world. And it's like, yes, this is awesome. Let's do it. And then he spends like two full chapters from one verse 18 up to about chapter 3 verse 20 not telling us not telling us the good news of the gospel instead he's telling us why we as humanity need the gospel why the there's a jewish audience of this church there's a gentile audience they tend to butt heads but we as humanity it doesn't matter what you were before everyone needs the same gospel and so paul's really driving at 
conviction on that front that everyone should read this and go, uh-oh, I'm, I'm in danger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 fun stuff, right? The, the whole of like um, just really getting to the reality. I think Jason said a couple weeks ago about how like everybody's even at the foot of the cross. Um, and like we're all just as much in need of, of grace and mercy in our lives. Uh, and Paul's really driving home the point in Romans, especially the end of, ver- of chapter 1 and into uh, chapters 2 and kind of the beginning of chapter 3, talking about how like, you know, specifically to the Gentiles to begin with, like, hey, you guys are struggling. You guys are not doing well. You guys, you know, you were lovers of... Uh, of evil and haters of God and you guys are are living all these sinful ways and you guys are fools and all of these things and and really he's he's setting the stage of um, what turns out to be one of the more powerful gospel presentations in all of scripture absolutely but gospel presentations in everyday life have to begin with to some extent a recognition of your own depravity a recognition of your own sin um, and so I think even in this, we're kind of giving a, a picture of what a gospel conversation might look like. It begins with hope, and then a, rec- uh, a conversation of reality of the situation, followed by followed by the gospel. And so it's 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 a convicting and challenging passage. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the the Jewish audience, while but while they were probably reading Romans one for the first time, or somebody was probably like preaching it. Mm-hmm. The Jewish audience is probably sitting there going like, yeah, like you tell them, you tell them what's going on. <laughs> and then the secret of Paul's like, oh, but hold on, chapter two, I got a secret for you. Yeah. You're well, pretty messed up bad. too, and you're just as bad, and here's why. And the, the analogy that, that we use, there's a guy that we like to watch occasionally that um, I kind of got this like metaphor from. Um, his name's Ray Comfort, Living Waters, is that right? Yeah. So he actually goes on the streets and, like, shares the gospel mm-hmm. <clears throat> in this kind of Romans fashion. He kind of builds you, asks you about your belief in the afterlife and are you a good person. And then he kind of sh- shows you that you're not a good person. Mm. And he likes to use the metaphor, which I think is a great one, of it's like a doctor who has a patient. Um, they come in. They're super fit. They eat right. From all outward appearances, they look great. But then the doctor does the internal stuff and finds an x-ray that says, wow, you're you've got a tumor and you're in danger. Mm. Luckily, I've got a cure, but if I just give you the cure, you're not gonna take it because you don't understand how sick you are. Yeah. So they've shown the x-ray, they've shown the blood work and they make you understand what you have is serious and really needs attention. And then from that point, they can say, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do here? It's like, well, the good news is I have a cure. And, our, and that's really what Paul's doing to us is he's showing us really all of humanity, the sickness that we have, and that at the end of the day, he has a cure, and the cure is not a thing. The cure is a person, and his name is Jesus. And without that cure, we're doomed. And so he's kind of getting everyone good and ready for that recognition of, Paul, please help me. You seem like a guy that has all the answers. What am I supposed to do here? Mm. So it's going to be a bit of a journey through the next night to get to that point. But I, I find these kind of sections really fascinating because it's not the things that you normally talk about on, like, a Sunday service. It's kind of deeper and a little bit harder to digest, maybe. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I think a lot of times, even, um, even in, like, 
preaching and prepping to teach and everything, you you don't necessarily want to camp out too long in the in in, in the negativity, right? Like right. it's it's not fun, it's not enjoyable. Um, and I I think honestly, and we might could we might chase a tangent here for a second, but like I wonder if to some extent maybe a more effective way of teaching and, and like leading would like even on a Sunday sermon would be to just simply like read a whole letter um, or something in its totality because there's a reality here of like we can zoom can zoom in big time on these sections and like on the on the positive sections more often but sometimes even on the negative sections and we're like yeah. we zoom in and we wreck it like we spend a lot of time camping out on these things. And we're like, oh gosh, why is this like so depressing? Or like, why is this only have like it's it's either only a happy song or a sad song? It's like yeah. there's there's no in between. What's the deal? And I think there's a reality of like if we zoomed out and we looked at it within the greater context of the narrative that it's in, uh, of this meta narrative of scripture, we might find that there's more value to that now there's certainly value in deep in deep diving and there's certainly value in the week by week thing that we're doing through romans but it's it's important to remember as we read this like the audience that paul was writing to they wouldn't have been down for a super long time we're going to be down for three weeks yeah we're going to be there in 20 minutes they'll have read the section yeah. they need and they're moving on yes because that's, that's how it was yeah it's really how they taught then is like the the lead you know, i guess if they called him a preacher, I'm not sure, but they would, hey, we got a new letter from Paul. Yeah. We're going to read the whole thing today. And that they just sat and listened. Mm. And yeah, so if I, I think there's like a space for like a week-by-week week thing where you have believers who are a little bit more mature that understand that. So it's like we already know the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. But obviously it would have been a real downer if Paul had ended Romans at like the end of two <laughs> and we're just like – Man, Paul is going through some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been a little tough. The whole deal is like, you know, for the wages of sin is death, and that's it. Like, we're right, just like, right. yeah. Tip, tip your waitress. I'm out. <laughs> no joke. I uh, so I don't know if you guys are great at memorizing scripture. Um, that's certainly a discipline that I've wanted to to get better at, and that's something like I try to to practice more in my own walk with the Lord. It was a uh, I grew really really convicted by this. Um, this past, it was right after Christmas. Um, I took the young adults to Passion. Um, in, uh, it was in Fort Worth, Dickey's Arena. David Platt, which I don't know if y'all are familiar with David mm-hmm. Platt. Um, he's you know gifted preacher, author. Uh, he's, he's a radical guy, and he wrote a book called Radical. And he's just very like you know passionate about God's word. Um, and he got up to preach, and he was talking about this passage in the Old Testament where, uh, you know, all the Jews were coming together, and uh, the prophet, the leader, was like, I'm going to just read God's word to you, and I want you to respond. Um, and so, the pe- like, he read God's word to the people, and the people were were crying, the people were raising their hands, people were sitting it up, the people were down on their knees, like, they were responding to God's word. Um, and he was like, and I just want you to just respond to the word of God. Um, and he began to quote from memory Romans 1, and he quoted all of Romans 1, and he did it all the way up until the end of Romans 8. Wow. wow. Just from memory. like, And so he was like, I want you to open your Bibles to Romans <laughs> chapter 1. And so we all opened our Bibles. We're like, all right, here comes the sermon. And he just began to quote scripture. Um, and it was in that moment I was like, man, this is, one, I need to get better at memory. <laughs> like I, I need not so much like, 
I don't know. I feel like you could you could walk away with that and be like, wow, David Platt's amazing. But I think there's a better application of, gosh, like I, like David Platt's an amazing teacher, but also he's a guy that is just disciplined and focused and, on memorizing scripture. And in the Word, obviously, to do that a lot. Yeah, but, but yeah. also I was thinking, I was like, I don't know if I've ever read straight from Romans one to Romans eight, just in one sitting. Yeah. Um, and you recognize because I'm like, oh, the beginning of Romans is. Depressing. Like, why? Why do you? Why are we doing this to ourselves? But there, there's. You always have to look at it within the context of hope that is coming. Um, and so, it's, it's exciting. It was a bit of a tangent, but you know that's what these things are for sometimes. So, well, it's fun to discuss. And, and obviously, like Romans, looking ahead, there's a lot of things. What I really like about Paul, he's a very detailed writer, mm-hmm. and he's not somebody that you can necessarily sit down on one reading and really get the full gist. Like yeah. we did, we did John last semester and John, you can be a new believer and read through it and take away so much that you could be fooled into thinking there's nothing more for you to get because mm. you've got so much, but there's so much more the, the deeper you go. Paul's not like that. You're, you're going to read through some stuff in Paul and you're just going to start question, scratching your head going, what is he talking about? <laughs> And I think he does that intentionally because Paul knew his Old Testament, mm-hmm. and he uses it constantly. He, he, I forget exactly where, but in different parts of Romans, he pulls together arguments of like he quotes two or three prophets at the same time to kind of show you a theme of how things have been played out in the life of Jesus that were you know, prophesied in the Old Testament. And I, I love that. I think that's super cool and like just to see his knowledge kind of at work is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think Paul wrote a lot of Romans with the intent that like, hey, if you don't know what I'm talking about here, you're going to go study it. Because mm-hmm. I think he, he, he wants us to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So powerful writer, obviously, you know, very inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it's, it's incredible to me the way that God would just use different people to kind of write the content he does. So yeah. It's like when we were doing verse 18, like there was so much that we pulled out of that just out of one verse. It's really just like one, one sentence for the most part. But it's like there's so many like things that you can take from that. Yeah. And there's, not, there's good writers in the world who can play on sentences and kind of create double meanings and, oh, that's clever. But there's only one author that can create the level of depth. Yeah that we're getting out of like single lines of scripture and that, that's God. And so I, I find it cool to go through that and see that, but also not take two or three times the amount of allotted time that we have. Right. <laughs> yeah. I spent a lot of time pulling back and like filtering out in his notes. Cause I got handed like five pages worth of stuff. I'm like, we gotta, like, this, we is, gotta this is just this one verse. We gotta this pull it back much. a little. Yeah. Yeah, got 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Well, I mean, we've kind of got this this podcast for the sake of kind of covering a little bit of things that perhaps were covered, reiterating some stuff, but also if there's any tangents you want to chase from yeah. that. Um, it might be good to just kind of – we read the whole section in the first podcast, so maybe okay. we'll just read the rest of the chapter. Devin, do you want to – I can. You can. You don't mind reading the rest of the chapter? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. 
for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the, the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that were contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Yeah, so super light stuff. Yeah, so that was fun. <laughs> Enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> it is. I mean, there's reality of like, it's the word of God. Um, oh yeah. And yeah. so, it's good. There's there's a guy that we listen to a lot uh, named Mike Winger who, I, I love the way he puts it. So it's like when scripture should take you to uncomfortable places because none of us is perfect, right? None of us knows everything that God knows. So when scripture takes you somewhere uncomfortable, we have a natural inclination to want to either reject it Mm -hmm. or kind of ignore it, push it to the side and say, I don't want that to challenge me. But when you feel that, you need to lean into it and say, why am I feeling like there's something in conflict with scripture? Because scripture wins, right? It's God's word. It's always going to have the authority whether I agree with it or not. So like, being honest about, hey, why am I feeling a tension here? Is there something going on in me that's, that makes me uncomfortable with Scripture to where you say, I have to have a heart issue here that I need addressed? Mm-hmm. And that's hard to be self-aware sometimes and have the maturity to do that, but that's what we're called to do. I'm not saying it's easy and it happens overnight, but I would just encourage anyone, if you, especially with like content that we're talking about over the, like last week and next week, if anyone feels that way, it's good to like pray. Talk to God about it, think about it, meditate on it, and just try to figure out what's going on that makes you feel that way so you can better align with God and, and try to learn from that. Mm. No, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I I definitely, I mentioned in week one and talked about it in the podcast last week, if you're reading Romans with the mindset of, wow, I can see how this is really applicable to somebody else, you're missing you're missing the very yeah. point yeah. of the whole book 
because um, the whole point of the book that honestly Paul's getting at here is he's talking to these these Gentile believers and he's talking to these Jewish believers and he's like we all need the gospel like there's there's no partiality here like you you need yeah. you need Jesus um, and so I to your point you're talking about like the Jews listening to this the Jewish believers they might have been like yeah like get them Paul you know like <laughs> finally yeah. some preaching we can listen to yes and I, <laughs> It's interesting because I'm like, I feel like we, we see this today in a lot of respects of, yeah you know, you go to certain churches perhaps or you listen to certain preaching and, you know, if you go into the right crowd or you're saying the right thing, uh, like you get somebody that might declare some, some like really like hot button issue and you're going to have, you know, perhaps some good old boys go, hey, man. Like, and they, they, they get excited whenever it's like, yeah, preaching against the sinners out there. Um but there's also this whole other perspective of, you know, maybe some like more progressive liberal type churches that would never address any of these things. But also they would address like perhaps talking about like, you know, the, the, Jesus talking about like you shouldn't shouldn't judge or you're going to be judged. Like and they might be like, well, yeah, amen to that. Yeah. Um, and so we're picking and choosing the stuff that we want to be convicted about. We're picking and choosing the things that we, we should we think we should preach and we should study. But I think the point here that Paul's like it's you know like right now he's going in after the Gentiles but the Jews it's really just setting the Jews up for their turn oh though. man <laughs> what is ironic too because the Jews struggled with this a lot of this stuff too. yeah I mean it's I think it's cool like humanity we haven't really progressed that far if you think about it. like technology's gotten better and we understand more things from like a physics and science perspective but the same sin that people have been struggling with since the dawn of time it's the same stuff that we're dealing with today so just like yeah so i like what you're saying about not looking at just like oh yeah tell them mm-hmm. right it's really that we all have things and sometimes we all have blind spots so we need a community to help us understand those things but we also just need a heart for god to say i understand i'm struggling with this and god please help me out because like i'm not quite sure what to do with it yeah um, well, there's a, the nature of blind spots is you can't see them, right? Like, and that's there's a reality of these Gentile Christians. They probably needed their Jewish brothers and sisters to be like, no, no, this is legit. Like, this is a real thing. Um, but also, I, I I grow convicted as I read it and think about it because so often I come to church and I listen to the message, um, and I think about like people who need to hear whatever it is that's being said. Um, and less about well, where can I grow in this and yeah. assuming that the message is, is not meant for me, it's meant for somebody else. And in reality, just like the, the Jewish Christians who read this, they may have thought, oh, well, this didn't apply to me. They're simply cheating themselves out of a blessing yeah. that ultimately would be a closer relationship with the Lord. And I, I can do the same thing at church on Sundays. Yeah, I think um, I actually... I heard someone say that their interpretation of this, and I don't really agree with it, but I thought it was like an interesting take, was this section is really talking to the Jewish audience Mm -hmm. um, in the same way that the prophet Nathan was talking to David with with the Bathsheba. Ah. And like, hey, what do you do with this man that stole the sheep? It's like, oh, you should kill that man. It's like, well... You're Jokes that man. You. Yeah. Because like verse one of chapter two, it's very obviously like, therefore we 
like, mm -hmm. are also this. And because it has, like, God gave them up, God gave them up, God gave them up. And that's such a recurring theme in the Old Testament of, like, the Israelites turning away from God. So God handed them over to their enemies. Yeah. So here's... I got a question for you guys, um, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but this kind of you know this whole thing's interesting, right? Um, so, talk about debased mind. We talked about like a depraved mind. Um, I'm curious. So, from your perspective, does the Lord currently like give people over into their passions and like lets them be? Like you kind of talked about this a bit Wednesday. I'd be, I think it'd be interesting to hear. Yeah, so I, I do think that that happens today. I think we see it all the time. Because there's a, I, I'm good at paraphrasing. I'm not good at memorizing scripture. I'm good at kind of remembering of roughly where it is and paraphrasing. So we, we often hear, you know, God works all things to our good. But really that's God works all things to the good of those who believe in him. And those who do not, God is not working all things to their good. Not saying he can't or won't if they seek him and ask for forgiveness. But I, I do see today that people who reject God, and I, and I think it's a consistent rejection. I don't think it's as much of like a, I'm wrestling with this. I think it's, I've committed, and I'm going down the path I'm going down. And I, I, I see it as God just kind of saying, look, you've chosen your path. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you have your consequences because there's natural consequences to all things that we do, right? We live in a universe of cause and effect. And sometimes the things that we do just have naturally bad consequences. So I don't necessarily see it as like God's like sitting there waiting, kind of putting bad things in front of you or bringing those things on you, but he's kind of letting sin kind of bring the bad effects on you because it's once you're away from God, there's, there's nothing good left because he is the only good. So it's hard to have anything good at that point if you've rejected the only good thing. Yeah, I see it as, um, so for those that don't know the Davis boys, they're five and under. Um, I see it like a parent. They're having a good time right now too. Well, I yeah. see it like a parent that like, you've said like 18 times, don't jump off the couch, don't jump off the couch. And then you finally like, all right, fine. You wanna jump, do it. And then he jumps and break something or like twist an ankle like you know like which for the record this happened to us michael broke his leg it was in a cast for like right. two months so <laughs> um that is a very near and dear to our right i didn't tell him to jump us. off the couch but right yeah like eventually like consequences will happen when you keep doing the thing that the handbook that's right in front of you says don't do um and I, I see it more as like God as our father letting consequences happen to us um, mm. when we choose to do things. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and I, and I think we see that a lot with like everyone probably knows somebody that went down a really wrong path. And within a pretty short period of time, you're, that person's almost unrecognizable. Mm -hmm. Um. Like, there's a, there's a girl I went to high school with, pretty much the minute we graduate, became an exotic dancer. And I think I ran into her a couple years ago. This is in Savannah. They have a huge, like, River Street, uh, like, St. Patrick's Day. They actually overtook Boston for the biggest in the world. And I, I ran into her just randomly. Savannah, Georgia? Yeah. Like, 
Wow. Um, their parade, everything. It, like, I didn't know they were known for their Irish population. They're not. They're not. They like to drink, uh, They though. just yeah. have they, some Yeah, they're fun known for it. their drinking population. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I ran into her, and it was just like, I don't even, like, really recognize you anymore. Like, the, the life you've chosen and gone down this path has obviously affected you in a really serious way that, like, if it took, like, if it... It took me a minute, and she had to say, like, hey, remember, you know, like, Jenkins, and, like, oh, right, okay, yeah, like, I do remember you now, it just, it was like you're a whole different person, and not a better person, but, like, you're, you're clearly going down a bad path, and we set, we see that on things like drugs that are more obvious, right, because it has a huge physical consequence immediately on your body. Nobody's surprised when you look at, like, a meth addict today versus five years from now, and you say, wow, what happened? But I think the truth is, the longer you live in any sin, the more that's going to happen. We just see it accelerated with certain mm. things like drugs, that you don't sort of see that as accelerated with other things. But I think it's still the same natural process of like, well, if the wages of sin is death, the more and more you, you know, live a life of sin, the more and more death you're reaping. Mm. Yeah, it's like you can only you can only play with fire for so long. Um, yeah. And there's a reality of that. I heard uh, there's a, oh, gosh. You know, scrolling through Facebook, you see different videos of different things, and you're like, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know who said it. it like, because what's curated for me is just a bunch of, like, theologians, like, and people to, like, say different stuff. And I'm like, ah, oh, that, that was smart. But I don't remember who said it, um, so I'm trying not to plagiarize right now. But um, there's a gentleman who's talking to a uh, – a college student, a college girl, um, they were at some conference or something, and uh, she's an atheist, and she said, hey, like, do you think God's going to send me to hell? Um, which is such, like... <laughs> you were just watching one of something like this I, the other yeah, day. Yeah, that video, like, also popped oh, up maybe. on my okay. stuff. Yeah, I hadn't watched it yet, but... Yeah, well, it's... And it's, <laughs> it's like Fra- Frank Turek, I think. Maybe. It's, like, a, it's such a gotcha question. Yeah. Of, like, oh, like, do you think God's going to do this to me, this horrible thing to me? Um, and the way he approached it was such like an ingenious move. Cause he was like, I, he's like, well, do you believe in God? She was like, well, no, I don't see any evidence for God. And he's like, well, why is, why would God force you to be in his presence if you don't want to be with him? Yeah. Um, which is what heaven is. And she was like, no, but like, would he send me to hell? And he's like, well, hell is the absence of his presence. And if you don't want to be in his presence, then there's no other place to yeah, go. Yeah, which I think yeah. within that is like this picture of this depraved mind, this God giving you, he's not going to force you to accept the goodness. He's not going to force yeah. you. Um, now, you can get to some soteriologi- soteriological debates on this of like, well, you know, God does force some people. And it's like, and it depends on your soteriology on where you fall on, yeah. on all of that. But just kind of the idea of like, you know, if you're going to, if you are not part of the elect, if you're destined for a life separate, eternally separated from God, he's not going to force you to be in his presence, and that is part of the yeah. depraved mind, I think. Yeah, definitely, and I, I think we might be thinking of the same person, because, like, the first time I heard it phrased was from this guy we were watching doing college kind of tours and talking yeah. to people, and I liked that perspective of, like, God loves you so much that he will not force you to be yeah. in his presence. It's got to be the same guy. Because that's, yeah. like, that yeah. is a unique way of looking at it. You know, a lot of times I looked at Romans 1, and you could talk about wrath. Mm-hmm. And you could say, well, the consequence of a depraved mind, you could say, is sin itself, the consequence of sin is also God's wrath playing out. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a good argument for that. But I, I like the perspective a little bit better of, of it saying, well, 
It's really because God loves you that much that he would say, if you've chosen to be apart from me, then I'm going to let you have the thing that you've chosen. Mm-hmm. And it's, it feels a bit more merciful in that sense. It's still sad, but it's like God is, he still loves you so much that when you love them, you have to let them, let them go, right? It, to me, it feels different than just, oh, this is anger and judgment. It's, there's like a sorrow in that, I feel, that like makes me feel like God's even more compassionate. Yeah, it's like the, the whole deal. I've heard it said, like, the fear of the Lord is not that he would put his hand on you. It's that he would take his hand of discipline off of you. Um, and it's like the fear of the Lord is not that, like, you're, he's going to, like, crush you. The fear of the Lord is that he's going to leave you to yourself. Um, because yeah, like, I've seen what that could look like, and I don't want that. <laughs> no, it's it's awful, and that I, I think we have a, I mean I don't know this, I, like I'm not, like I think we might have a misconception on even what hell is, um, like you know the little devils yeah. with the the stuff. I mean I, it's not an enjoyable experience at all. But if you don't want to be with God, you don't want to be with Christ, then like. There's not a lot of options. No, like that is you're, you're either with him or you're not. Yeah. Um, and if you're you don't want to be, then you're not gonna be. So, again, fun fun topic, mm-hmm. very conversation, very, very fun stuff. Yeah. One thing I, I wanted to like hit on just a yeah. little bit of a tangent was like one thing I also really like about Paul is that he's very like he knows because he's such a smart guy he's read his old testament he knows the questions people are going to ask so he's teaching difficult stuff that's going to rub everybody the wrong way because it's supposed to so he knows people are going to have questions and he like gets ahead of that and knows how to like stop you in your tracks Mm -hmm. so when he talks about there about well they knew god he's made himself evident through his invisible attributes that i that speaks to me a little bit as kind of an apologetics nerd a little bit. Not, I'm not definitely not as deep in that as some others are, but, you know, there's a concept I love, which is that, like, God has never asked us to have blind faith in him. In fact, like, that college student who said, like, well, I don't see the evidence, and I think that to have evidence, it needs to be beyond reasonable doubt. Well, God has given us tons of evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to have faith in him. And so there, there's interesting philosophical arguments around God's existence that you can tell without ever having to, like, talk to him or see him personally. And I think that's just a cool area of studies. Like, Jason talks about it a lot with C.S. Lewis and, like, the moral standards of the world. Um, you could get really deep in this area, but I find it pretty interesting that even in, like, ancient Greece, um, the philosopher Aristotle you know, was was writing about these exact same arguments we're having today mm-hmm. where he talked about, like, the unmoved mover of, like, well, if if we're here today, something caused us to be here, right? My parents procreated, and then before then, it was their parents and their parents and their parents. And you get a logical point where you say, well, what? Ha- where did the first two come from? Because that's where it's going to all fall apart. Mm-hmm. And, and then you go back even further. Well, where did the earth come from? Where did this whole universe and the sun? So it kind of stands to reason from a logical standpoint that, like, great philosophers of the past were going, there has to be something that moved first, that caused everything else to move. Like, there's a mover that has to have moved everything who himself cannot have been moved. Hmm. So he called it the unmoved mover. 
but like it's the same thing. There's a there's a timeless being that has to kind of have started everything, because without that, nothing else really makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was kind of cool that Paul like he's giving some like apologetics a little bit there. If you want to go down that that rabbit hole before he moves on to talking about like I basically setting up like hey. You don't have an excuse. You should know good and well just by looking around you that there's a God. And the fact that you don't honor him and that you don't worship him, like, you're a, you're committing the sin of idolatry. Mm-hmm. You've made an idol of something, whether it's something you physically crafted or some concept or something that you serve that's not God. And that's robbing God of the honor he's owed. Mm-hmm. Now, there, you know, you, there is... There is no excuse, and he talk, he does talk about that. I thought it was interesting you mentioned Wednesday about, um, you know, somebody out in some island that's never heard heard the gospel, doesn't, like, they, nobody's yeah. ever come to them with a Bible, nobody's ever come to them um, with, with the good news of Jesus. And, and like, I mean, I, I have an answer for this. I'm curious your, your thoughts. So, like, you're talking to somebody, and they ask that question, what does God do with that person? Um what are y'all's thoughts on that? Well, there is, you know, we have, with the unmoved mover, all yeah. that stuff, there is like a, a, a natural revelation, I think is like the, the big like term. I think you're judged based on the knowledge you have. That's like my, personally. Like you can't be judged for not knowing Jesus if like nobody ever said the name Jesus to you. But creation demands a creator. So... You know there's a creator. Yeah. Even if you don't know the specifics of what or who that looks like. Yeah, and, and the first thing I would say is I, I don't have a full answer here because yeah. I, don't, I don't fully know. Yeah. I have some thoughts. You so had like, alluded to it Wednesday, right? Like, I'm not making that up. No, no, I, I talked about yeah. that. Like, it's always like, is it like the pygmies down in New Guinea? That's yeah, always the always, one I yeah. It's always the pygmies. I don't know why. <laughs> they're, they're famous for being remote, so they can't be that remote, right? Yeah, like, nobody's <laughs> famous if you're remote. Like, no one's heard of you. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's not an easy question because it's, it's hard to say. Like, you have the, the general natural revelation that should point you to a direction that says there has to be an all-powerful, single God that created and is responsible for all of this. Now, that's not going to tell you the person of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that was made on your behalf for the forgiveness of your sins, but it can still lead you to a faith and a belief in the Creator. And, you know, you look at, like, the Old Testament, there's people... I'm forgetting the name. It's uh, the... The Assyrian like leader who came to be healed by Naaman. Naaman, yes. Classic Naaman. Golly. <laughs> um, and now I was mixing up Elijah and Elijah, and I'm like, oh, now I'm mixing them up. So it's he, one of them. He, came, he comes to, I think it's Elisha, and he needs to be healed. He's asking to be healed of leprosy, and he, tell, you know, Elijah tells him, go, go dunk yourself in the Jordan seven times. And then when you come out, you'll be okay. And he doesn't want to do it at first. Mm-hmm. And his servant pleads with him and says, please do it, please do it. It's, a, it's an easy thing to do. So he goes and he does it, and lo and behold, he's healed. It's miraculous. And he says, from this day forward, your God, the God of Israel, will be my God. Mm-hmm. And he even, he even goes into, like, 
Well, I don't want anyone to get confused. My king is like really old and frail, and I have to help him physically kneel down to worship his like false gods. Please don't think I'm kneeling down and worshiping them. I'm just trying to serve my king in the way I'm required. But like, I will only bow down and worship the God of Israel. And like, I forget the exact what it says around that, but like, I, I believe Naaman is going to be somebody we're going to see in the kingdom of heaven. And he certainly didn't know of Jesus. Yeah. But he had a faith in God that so it's it's hard to say yeah I, but I, I I believe generally that like the general revelation can lead you to a, a say like to a faith in God that yeah. at least gets you in the right direction I'm curious so it, we may we may differ to some extent on this because I you know I I've felt that way and I you know I'm not sure the right answer either it's like I, you know pray there's <laughs> I'd love for everybody to be in heaven. Like that's like that's a that's hopefully a, that's yeah. Funny. I mean, everybody surrender. Like we get the gospel of the whole earth. Like that be great. Um, but scripture does say the narrow is the way, and yeah. you know, few find it, and like broad is the path, and a lot find it, the least of destruction. So, um, my thought is, I don't know. It's it's going to be hard. Like if there's a way for them to find salvation the pygmies or whatever like if there's a way like it's it's gonna be hard and you're gonna have to be like a like an aristotle type philosopher to be like well you know it's the presence of good and evil like if there's a presence of good then that means there has to be a good god that is all good and if they're you know and if we go back to this unmoved mover like somebody's going to independently have to come up with that idea the reality is the chances of that are probably pretty slim, right? Like, unless the Lord is uniquely pursuing them. I think but, it's easier than you'd think. But well, that's you're a, a pretty smart common, guy, John. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I. Would I mean, not to all, there. not to the full extent. I just mean like I think those are there's natural questions yeah. that everyone tends to ponder. Mm-hmm. But to your point, I mean, it's we you know we we do have scripture that says hey we have to call on, on the name of Jesus. Yeah, and you got to. But there's pre pre-Jesus covenant, we know people like Abraham and David, right, because they're faith in God, so like, ultimately faith is the big issue. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, pre-Jesus, like, I know we're going to see Abraham and David and those guys, just because they didn't know Jesus, but they also had covenant, and yeah. So it's not it's not an easy topic, it's for sure. It's not, no, but it does kind of come up to this, because we're, yeah. you know, we're chasing all down all these different things. I'm My thought is, I think I would use that uh, that mindset people have asked me that question before and i feel like i'm like i don't know man like there's I, never like one great answer no for but it. i think i think because it is complicated the thought i would always go to is like well i think what this should do is light a fire under us to get the gospel to that's where to i was those people, about to right? say is well where are the where are the gospel messengers yeah. to go take that message to the ends of the earth because theoretically if here if if nobody goes to hell, nobody. If everybody goes to heaven, if they never hear the gospel, the worst thing in the world you could do for them is to share the gospel with them, right? <laughs> like if you're only held accountable to the knowledge that you have and to what's been shared with you, then the worst thing in the world I could possibly do is give present you with a choice to potentially reject God. Yeah. Because then, now there is a right and a wrong, and you've heard it. Yeah. And you're without excuse, but that maybe that's why Paul goes to like, I think. I think I read this and I'm like, man, we're we're without excuse. Like everybody's without excuse. There's yeah. I mean, that's generally where I'm taken to, and yeah. I, I would agree. Like the we we really should be doing more. I, I think just generally, like the gospel needs to be shared, mm-hmm. and that's 
I mean, that's Paul's whole mission is to get this all over the world. And which he did a good job. He did pretty darn good. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. say that. I'll, <laughs> Paul, like, if we took a you know straw poll here, I think we would say three th- three thumbs up, or we could do right. six six <laughs> thumbs up. I mean, like, he's a good guy. Well, think yeah. about the historical impact here. Like, we're all Gentiles. Uh-huh. I, I'm assuming, JD. You're making assumptions, John. <laughs> that I just, man, I don't I'm, know about, but yes, I'm my, Gentile. My historical family comes from like Wales, like to the Dutch back before that. Like, I have family that like kind of came from like Native Americans on like my dad's side. Yeah. And yet, continents away, generations down the line me a no good gentile is sitting here professing the god of the jews as the lord of all creation so like that's a pretty powerful mm-hmm. thing that we've seen happen all over the world and obviously paul as a messenger for that is, is a big reason i mean god is the ultimate reason for that yeah but paul is a, is a willing servant doing what he was called to do you know we have him to thank for i think why you know, we can be sitting here in Texas today talking about the God of Israel. Yeah. Um, I do kind of want to kind of, if we could somewhat close, begin to wrap things up. But I, I do want to address what, if you read this text, would be the elephant in the room. Um, culturally for us as 21st century believers in Western society. Um, and, you know, if you go to progressive churches, they'll refer to this as, one, as a, quote, clobber passage. Um, a passage that addresses homosexuality and all this stuff, but the argument that they would they would make is that yeah, but it's in the list of a bunch of other things that I'm also guilty of, um, you know. And to, to that it doesn't point, make it better. Well, yeah. no, but to that point, you, they they're poking holes into that thought of like, well, but like we're all guilty of all this other stuff too, and yet there's still grace from God. Well, yeah, right. But it's all stuff we're trying to quit. At the same time, yeah. Yes, and yeah. which is the point I want you guys to kind of run with, because like, yeah. obviously yeah. I agree with you. Right. But yeah. For, no, yeah. I hadn't heard that phrase before. What would you call that? A clobber passage. Clobber passage. Dude, I watched a church, actually church in our area for a class in seminary. I, I watched one of their services, and it's you know a progressive church, and yeah. like, this pastor was doing this, uh, you know, this sermon series addressing the clobber passages of scripture and essentially the you know it was an hour-long tirade yeah. about how people are trying well to he was like using the bible to say it. like we shouldn't listen to parts of the bible it was a unique it was an interesting gotcha. experience but yeah any, anyone that would say that i would have to just say run right because yeah, it's leave. like well it's the word of god but we don't really like this part that's kind of what i was talking about earlier about there's going to be scripture that inevitably is something that you're going to want to question or run away from, but I would say that's where you have to lean in, obviously, and say something's going on that, like, I can't agree with this right now or it's challenging me, so I, I need to understand what that tension is from, right? But, yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, the, the elephant in the room, if you're when we were preparing for this, was like, I have no problem standing on the truth of God's word, but I know it's probably going to make some people uncomfortable because we live in a culture that has so radically embraced homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, everybody needs grace, right? Like, I just because like I don't live a gay lifestyle does not mean I am not just as guilty of a sinner as, as anyone. Like, I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, like, there's been, like, bondage in my life of sin that... Like, I had to be convicted of to get out of my life. And I, like, that was not necessarily any worse than anyone else's sin. Yeah. Or, and not necessarily better either. 
So it's kind of saddening that this has a culture. You know, we've, we've kind of said, well, this is not that big a deal. Christians, you need to drop it. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you now have those other progressive churches. You have a lot of people kind of battling within Christianity about the truth of Scripture when the truth of Scripture is incredibly clear. Right? It's not, it's not a verse you would have to read and really ponder and pontificate, you know, the deeper meanings. You can just kind of look at it and go, pretty sure I know what he's talking about. And we wanted to dive into that a little bit Wednesday because I think there's not a lot of sin I can think of that people build their whole identity around. So, like, if somebody just were like, hey, I'm going to become a thief. That's just what I want to be. <laughs> And it lived a life of thievery. I mean, that might sound cool if like a video game villain or something, yeah. right? But typically that doesn't work out too well. You get caught, you go to jail. Yeah. You can't usually live your whole life that way. But mo- most sin is like kind of quiet and we don't, we don't want to tell people about it because we're kind of ashamed of it. But like I think sexual sin in general is something that as a culture we've kind of said, your identity can be this mm-hmm. and you should be proud of that identity and just run at it full steam ahead, when that's, I mean, one, anything that's not God is a terrible identity to anchor to. Yeah. But, like, your sexual identity, if, even if you had to come up with a list of things that might still be, like, kind of admirable, like, well, maybe I can be a good humanitarian, right? Sexual identity would be so far down that list, you'd be like, really? Like, you bypassed, like, being, like, a heart surgeon and all these other things, right? So, it... It, I think it was worth kind of calling out, like, when Paul talks about that being handed over, and we see the long-term consequences of sin play out in somebody's life, like, it made me think a little bit about, like, drug abusers who you see this, like, very rapid downfall. But it's like, well, you don't actually see that with other lifestyles, but what do you see? And that kind of took us to a place of, like, well... You start doing a little research, you start finding out this actually is a really incredibly dangerous lifestyle. It's just that nobody likes to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that, like, your average person that would live a homosexual life, like, long-term, would lose 25 to 30 years of their lifespan. That's, that's from, like, those are, like, stats from, like, Center of Disease Control. That's, like, a, I think that particular one was from a study in Canada. Um, you would have to look at that and say, that's really dangerous, like, we want to outlaw cigarettes because they might rob you of 10 years, maybe more. Like, why are we embracing something that's so obviously hurting people? And that's really sad at the end of the day. And I know it's going to be uncomfortable for people because it is, like, well, a complicated topic about how people feel. But at the end of the day, you have to stand on the truth of God's word and say this is not something that we can just ignore either. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's so. That's a great point about like the identity thing, because there's there's so much truth to that. Like if I, you know, if I have anger issues, I'm not going around saying, "Well, I am anger." Like I mean, that's who I am, and I'm also not celebrating it. Like I'm not, you know, you don't see you see Alcoholics Anonymous, you don't see like Alcoholic right. Pride Month. Like you, that's right. yeah. you, you don't see people like lining up, be like, "Yeah, we get drunk." <laughs> They may say that, you know, we get drunk, but like we had a parade, we forgot about it. This is who we are, like, and this is what we do, and like we're not changing, and you need to accept us. Um, And I think you you hit on something here about like maybe that's the depraved mind. Like you have, like 
potentially like allowed yourself to become so identified with sin that it consumed your very identity. Um, and, and God's like, this is what you want. Like, then yeah, this yeah, you're gonna reap it. the consequences of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and I think that like when you look, you know, that, you have that long list of sin, mm-hmm. and yeah, they're all bad. Um, it doesn't mean it like like Paul spent a little bit more time on that one, but I don't think because it's like that much worse than any other sin as far as sin goes. But I think because because it is like a thing that becomes a lifestyle where like a lot of other things really can't become a lifestyle without really obvious like like I said someone's identity is anger they're probably going to end up hurting someone really bad yeah. and ending up in prison before long and you can say okay well that, that person obviously crossed a line and messed up so there's not many things that just really become the core of who you are and I, I think that's why Paul like called that out more explicitly because I think that's a, that's a much more like you know, normal, normalized lifestyle yeah. that plays out in a really dangerous way. Just for the sake of chasing the, the tangent for a second, do you, do you know what the what a progressive church might respond to about this text, though? What, they, what argument they might go with? At one time, I did, but I, I, have, I have not paid attention to it in a isn't, while. Um, isn't this the one where it was like, it's only bad if it's like the temple, like yeah, it's exploitative. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Uh, exploitive. Yeah. yeah. Well, to, to, which, to I had heard that before. To that, I would say there's no way in the world that all homosexuality, homosexuality was exploitative. Yeah. Like, yeah. in the in the world, like there's no yeah. there's no way. Um, and I mean, it it's a it's a it's an argument that doesn't isn't based in logic, which is, but. I mean, generally, if you're going to argue against scripture, you're you're already starting off from a bad spot of like lo- arguing from logic. Yeah, well, it's like claiming to be wise. They became fools. Like, the <laughs> see, Paul anticipated. He yeah, he knew. He knew what was up. It's like someday, some bunch of idiots are going to be standing around. They're going to disagree with what I'm saying here, and they're going to claim to be wise, but they're actually going to be fools. Yeah, and that describes. It's perfect. perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, which feels like a great way to end. I don't know. <laughs> let us never be so wise that we're actually fools. Like, let us have some honest humility. Honestly, yeah. And say, like, I have some good ideas every now and then, but, like, you know. Dude, most of my ideas are not. It's fine. <laughs> um, like I said, we're But ultimately, we're like, guy. all those things come from God. Yeah. And, you know, let's, let's just try to honor that. Yeah. Is there anything else we we want to chase down or? good well john Devin, thank you so much for for being here thank you for your your work and your study um and just uh, your leadership in the in the church and in this bible study uh people are going to be blessed um they have been and they will continue to be so thank you guys so much um and we will have you guys on again soon yeah thanks cool. JD. it's yeah. a lot of fun yeah awesome well, we'll we can do it. see you guys